Welcome to the Adoptive Dad Playbook. Sit back, relax, and grab a beverage with your host, David Bischlein. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Adoptive Dad Playbook. I hope you guys are having a great week. Hope you guys are enjoying the previous episodes. If you like what you hear, make sure you give us a five-star rating and a positive review and spread the word. And all as always, feel free to share the email address with anybody that you may know that has questions about adoption. I'd like to be find some help on adoption or fostering or just has an idea for a show or a guest or a topic that they would like to hear. I can't thank you guys enough for all the support that we're getting for the podcast. And again, follow us on the social medias. I don't know about you guys, but it's been a crazy, crazy day. It was really cold the past couple weeks, and things are just starting to get into gear. I'm really looking forward to spring, and it's just been really good to spend time with my kids, but I think they're ready to get away from me a little bit as well. As we've been doing on the podcast the past few episodes as we're highlighting an adoption agency, this week is the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. This is a big foundation uh, started by Dave Thomas, the founder of Wendy's, and he does a lot with mainly foster to adopt, and they focus a lot on older kids, but it's a really, really good agency. A lot of the money goes towards it. If you're looking for a really good charity adoption or foster agency to donate to, the Dave Thomas Foundation would be phenomenal. I hope you guys are all being safe in this COVID time and just really just trying to find a, a rhythm in life. I know that's what we're trying to do at my house still. I think my kids, like I said, are ready to move on to something else. But it'll be spring before we know it. I'll tell you that much right now. Today's episode is one that I think you guys will find very surprising on just the openness that he has and his wife had to adopting. Uh, it's Mr. Andy Smooty. He is was a biological father to two, and they decided to foster and then adopt four. Yes, four children, all under the age of six. The man is a saint. His wife is a saint. Uh, things that I could not do, they were able to do. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And once again, thanks for tuning in. If you have anything, feel free to email me. Enjoy the episode. So today's guest is an aerospace engineer a den leader, a husband, and father to six, yes, six children. Most importantly, he drives a Sprinter van, those sweet vans you see on the road, Mr. Andy Smoothie. Andy, thank you for joining us today on The Playbook. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Dave. It is an honor. Now, uh, I want to say quickly, I met you for the first time. You probably don't remember the first time we met you, and I haven't told him this. I didn't tell him this off air. We sat at the same trivia table uh, like two or three years ago. Yes, and, we did. I remember it. And I'll never forget it. Your wife outbid one of the teachers at John Weldon for, I think it was LASIK for her husband. I'll never forget. She really was going for that. And I think it was, was it a, I think, did you uh, get LASIK? She got it for you, I think. I did. Yeah. yeah. She ended up winning that. Yeah. Yes. And one of the teachers really went for that and like got really big. Oh, I wanted that LASIK. And I'll, I always remember the smoothies because of that. Like she, your wife was hardcore, man. She was all That's, over she that. She loves LASIK. that kind of stuff. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. She loves those uh, silent auctions and stuff. So yeah, that, that was not, fun. <laughs> not me. I don't like to spend money, so I'm not really done with that. <laughs> but I also know you're for a good cause. You know, well, alleged. They're all for good causes. You know, it's like uh, anytime you're working for schools, it's always going for good stuff. But then I just right. don't like to spend money, so it's all it's really bad. Uh, we uh, so. Mr. Smoothie, uh, he is a den leader in the same pack that we're in. Uh, but just to kind of make the, the, the listener aware, he's actually going to be moving away. They're, you're moving to Minnesota, correct? Yes, uh, route Buffalo, Minnesota, if anybody's familiar with where that is. It's not New York. Correct, not Buffalo, New York. <laughs> but, just uh, as cold, not as much snow. So it's I know it's a suburb of Minneapolis, and we were talking before that, you know, my – like a lot of my wife's family's from up there. So I, it's a lovely time this time of year. I'm sure it'll be real, real yes. fun to move in I, February. I think at the end of this week, the high is like negative six or mm. something like that. That's uh, the my, high. <laughs> my brother-in-law sent me a um, text message last year that a picture of on his phone of Antarctica and Minneapolis. And it was, uh, I think Minneapolis was colder than Antarctica. And I said, well, better you Ooh. than me. <laughs> I, I believe it. Have fun. <laughs> but he does a great job and that's how I've gotten to know him. And during that time, um, I know that he is a, has adopted and fostered. And so that's kind of what drew me to you. You just, and you're such a patient man. I'm going to be honest. I always like how patient you are because anybody that knows me knows I'm not patient. And they're like, you're going to adopt a little girl. Then you're going to have to totally change the way you do things. And I'm like, oh, I, I get that. But I want to say you're so patient. So that leads me to my question. How are you doing during COVID? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think it's there's been a lot of ups and downs. Um, you know, early on, it was kind of a it was kind of a nice, like unique type situation where everybody was, you know, quarantine together we're just hanging out everybody's staying home so doing homeschool with the kids and you know my wife's a classroom teacher uh, by trade so she was all into the homeschool stuff but then she's like do you want to teach something I said sure I'd love to so I got to teach kids like parts of an airplane how an airplane works um, you know space vehicles um, the solar system so just things that I'm interested in I got to actually teach my kids so that was kind of a cool thing uh, we've you know going back to school in person uh, was good but you know we've had some quarantines I think we're up to 28 now uh, 28 <laughs> days 28 days no 28 separate quarantines oh my my oldest just got mo- modified quarantine have you guys if you had to do that yeah some of them were modified quarantine some of them were full quarantine that's so weird to me so basically for the listener a modified quarantine is something the state of missouri has allowed Uh, basically it's for example my oldest son he sat in front of someone that tested positive but they both had masks on so basically the health department's like hey you can go to school but you can't go anywhere else please or they're asking you not to so I think that's really weird to me, but it, it's a little different, <laughs> but, but and, I mean, so yeah, I, and we've definitely had to be yeah, patient just going through all those unknowns and uh, not knowing if kids are going to be home that week or not. So um, it's, it's been trying at times. 
I can For only sure. I can only imagine. Plus the amount of bandwidth with six kids and you and your wife. I mean, that's a yeah. You guys probably have, to have like three routers in your house. Yeah. Just to get <laughs> we had said if we go to virtual school, we we might just have to you know unenroll and homeschool them all just so we don't have to like, um, you know, his Zoom meeting is at one thirty and hers is at one thirty five, and so then we got to make sure that that's going on, and we got a kindergartner in the house. So how do you manage that while you're trying to? So it, there's a, there's a lot, <laughs> lots to keep track of. I, I feel you. All right. So that kind of leads me to my next question. What's kind of a big difference you've noticed in your family dynamic in the past 11, 10, 11 months? I guess it's, it's getting down to that time to almost 11 months now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think one thing is definitely we've uh, gotten more used to being home together, not as many activities, uh, the ones that we do have, like we can't bring, you know, you're not supposed to bring the whole family or anything like that. Soccer in the summer, you know, in the summer was a little bit easier when everybody's outside and all that, but winter sports, it's harder to do that. So, um, but yeah, just getting more used to being at home together, uh, trying to be creative and activities we can do together as a family, instead of just everybody on their own electronic device, kind of off in their own world. So, um, it's been a little different. Yeah, I and one of my previous guests brought up a really good point that he didn't realize how much his kids really rely on him to do stuff. And I don't know if that's something you guys have. I know like my kids will not just go out and do stuff unless I kind of get them started or go out and do it with them. And that's been kind of eye opening during COVID. Have you had kind of had that same thing or your kids a little bit more independent? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, my kids are, they really do like to kind of do their own thing. A lot of them are pretty independent. And because there's six of them, like usually there's at least one of them that'll go get something started <laughs> and the rest will follow along. It is one of the benefits of having that many is they always have somebody else to interact with or play with or, you know, so. Do they ever play three on three basketball? I mean, they could do that, right? They could. It's a good, well, there's definitely some height advantages and you got to even the teams the out. It'd be fun to watch. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. And I think that is something I've noticed is just how much they rely. And I, that's my kids in my oldest, now that he's in middle school, it's like, Hey man, I've got to be on the, my, my friends, I can only see him on the, on the Fortnite. And, and that's been a major battle that we've had, we've mm -hmm. had to face. All right. We're going to get into our warm up questions here for you. Uh, Andy, all right. So number one, what's your drink of choice right now? What are you drinking? Um, mostly water. <laughs> I've always got water nearby. Yeah, you are but, uh, coffee. Coffee is a close second. So nothing wrong with that, man. It's uh, I've started intermittent fasting and I, I think I pee more than I drink. It makes me feel like oh right gosh. now. Cause it's insane when you're, you, when you're good about drinking water, you just got to go all the time. <laughs> uh, you know, coffee, black coffee is cool. doesn't have any calories or anything. So I drink a yep. lot of black coffee in the morning and then I switch to water. And then I think I pee um, from lunch on. And then <laughs> yes, almost like, you know, every 30 minutes or so <laughs> easily. All right. That leads to our next one. Do you have a favorite dad joke? Uh, yes. Uh, <clears throat> what do you call cheese that doesn't belong to you? Nacho cheese. Nacho cheese. Ah, it's yeah. a good one. Yeah. It also works with soup, chicken. Oh, we, oh, oh lots of other good things. <laughs> that's a good. That's a great one. All right. What's one thing that you do that really annoys your wife and kids? 
My wife hates it when I pick at my beard. <laughs> it's not even that long. It's very short. I, no, it's it's just a nice short, like close cropped. You know, I grew it at her request, but then I kind of pick at it sometimes. She hates it. <laughs> hey man, as long if that's the worst thing, you're living the dream, bro. Because uh, that's not bad. Doing pretty good, but uh, I think and the kids. Uh, all I have to do is ask them to do a chore, and they're just completely annoyed. Like, oh. <laughs> I think, I think everyone that's listening to this podcast that has kids just went, yep, yep, that's about right. Hey, it's your turn. <laughs> I don't want to do the dishes tonight. Oh. <laughs> My oldest is now uh, offered to pay people. I'll pay you not to do. I was like, man, you're gonna, you're not going to make any money. It's a money losing situation for yeah, you to do yeah. that. <laughs> that made me, oh, that's funny you brought that up. All right. What TV show, podcast, or book are you watching, listening to, just digging right now? Is there something you guys are digging? Uh, let's see. I'm listening to uh, Tom Clancy, The Bear and the Dragon on Audible right now. That one's good. It's a really long book. It's like 48 hours. Oh, my goodness. Listening. It's insane. But it's great because it's just one I can stick with and just pull up whenever i you know, in the car for a little bit or something. So that's been fun. Do you have a TV show? Do you guys, you and your wife like to watch? Uh, let's see. We just finished we uh, The Mandalorian, um, but that's been done for a little bit now. Uh, we're finishing up uh, Big Bang Theory. That was That's kind of been our thing. So we just finished season 11, and season 12 accidentally got packed. So that'll be waiting for us when we get to Minnesota. <laughs> uh, I guess that's, yeah, man, you, you own it on DVD, huh? I don't even, I try to think the last, TV show I bought. I guess The Simpsons. Yeah. One of The Simpsons seasons was okay. There. No, that was the last one we got on DVD. Was Big Bang Theory. So yeah. I, I've I never seen quite that show. finished it yet. <laughs> Don't tell me what happens. I, it's a sitcom. I'm sure it ends funny, right? And that's how they usually yep. all are. All exactly. right. Last one more question here for you, Andy. You have one afternoon, no kids, no wife. What do you do? I <clears throat> probably go to the theater. I love watching movies, big thing of popcorn, a uh, movie that I wouldn't take my kids to see and my wife wouldn't care about, something sci-fi action, you know, something like that. That's probably what I'd do. That sounds incredible. Just to even go to a movie theater. I mean, it's right now during I know, COVID. Right? <laughs> I mean, I think the movie that I saw that was number one was a Denzel Washington movie and it made, this past weekend, only made $4.8 That was the number one movie in America. 4.8 wow. million. Wow. So, yes. That's crazy. Well, and if you think about it, someone said when, when theaters open, there's going to be like a glut of movies. You know, oh yeah. Cause everybody's holding off. Yeah. Top gun. Yep. Uh, you got the new top gun. You've got the, the new James Bond. Yep. The Marvel movies. I'm sure DC's got, mm -hmm. it'll be a glut of movies that come out. So good luck. Get that chance. popcorn ready. There you go. We'll do <laughs> All right, we're going to get into it here. We're going to get into it. So, Andy, share with us. So, you, I know before the listener, you have adopted, biological, and you have fostered before, correct? Correct. Okay. So, here, we just, just share your journey of fostering and adopting with us, kind of how that got started, and uh, just kind of go from there. Okay. Sounds good. So, um, uh I guess adoption has always been kind of something that my wife and I have been, uh, have thought about, had 
known was part of our story. So we didn't really realize what that was going to be. Started out thinking like it was going to be international adoption. Um, but then when we moved to Missouri, we, you know, found out that through Missouri um, <clears throat> social services, it's actually everything's paid for by the state if you adopt uh, for, through foster care. So <clears throat> eventually we ended up going through the licensing classes. We started fall of like 2015, I think it was, uh, <clears throat> going through the classes. And we actually started our license with foster to adopt. So we didn't, we weren't really going for the foster specific license. Uh, we were getting the foster license because that's prerequisite to adopt. Um, but the license was more for adoption. Uh, and we said we would, were, you know, looking for a sibling pair or, you know, maybe one or two more. So <clears throat> we got through all those classes. Uh, we went through the home study, uh, lots of stuff. There's like 13 weeks of classes for adoption and then like another six weeks for the um or 13 for the foster another six weeks for adoption uh and then there's a home study where you have to write out like your life story and they have to come and do a tour through your house and make sure you're up to all these things you got to get cpr and first aid training all this stuff and then uh <clears throat> so we got licensed february 2016 uh and then we started because we had a foster license, we were able to do respite care. Uh, so for those who don't really know what respite is, that's when other people who have foster kids in their house, if they want to go for a, away for a weekend or something like that, uh, they need other people who are licensed by the state to have them in their house. So we basically like glorified babysitters. So, so we would let me I'm gonna cut you off because I got to ask this question for me. What was it like to do respite care? Kind of share that because I'm thinking about it. My, my heart's pounding just thinking about doing respite care. You guys are awesome. Having some someone that you're, you know it's only going to be for their weekend. How, okay. what, is that, what is that sensation? What is that like when they come in? You know, we actually really enjoyed it. Like <clears throat> we've talked a couple of times about how once our kids are older, you know, high school or beyond, we would probably do respite care again, just because it doesn't take a lot. You know, it's like a, a week at most of having, a, you know, a kid or two, maybe three in your house, just kind of taking care of them and letting them be kids and um, doing that normal kind of thing. Uh, but it just gives the foster parents such a huge break. And I think for the foster parents that are out there, uh, I have a ton of respect for them, uh, <laughs> for what they do. Amen. And if, if that's, you know, what I can do to help them out is, you know, giving them a break for a weekend or a few days or something like that. Uh, you know, it's, it's a good thing to go do. Uh, and it doesn't require a whole lot of me. Uh, but you do have to go through the whole home study thing just so they make sure that your house is a safe place and all that. So. That that's really, I didn't, I didn't know about respite care until, until I started getting the adoption. It's just, it's an interesting thing. You just don't hear about it, but it makes sense when you get yeah, into it. Yeah. You don't hear about certified. it much, but it's a critical part, you know, for anybody who's a, who has foster kids. When so. you were going through your foster, I found it really interesting when you said that you were trying to go foster to adopt, because when my wife, Greta and I were going through it, they did, they told us that doesn't exist anymore. And so <laughs> They were like, no, we don't do that. And we don't, we're not into that or that doesn't exist. So when you said that, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a case by case basis. Uh, 
the, when we originally said that's what we had hoped to get licensed for, they're like, well, we don't really have any room for that right now. Uh, and then we told them we were interested in siblings, you know, because they we ate that up, right? They, they love that. They're like, oh, now let's talk. <laughs> Older kids or siblings, they'll, they'll come and hunt you down. Then Absolutely. they got you hooked them with that. You got them the old fish hook, right? Oh, yep. siblings. Yeah. Key word. Yep, exactly. So, uh, you know, we kind of continued down that path for a little bit we were getting a lot of profiles of kids uh just to try and match us up with kids that were uh in foster care uh most likely moving towards adoption um so we had given our interest in a couple and just didn't work out and then was i think we were driving to uh our my in-laws house for christmas it was december of 2016 and my wife got, you know, an email for a profile on her phone and she looked at it and she looked over me and she's like, I think this is it. So it was these four adorable little kids. <laughs> and uh, so we took a look at it. We read through it. We're like, well, it, four is more than two. Yeah. <laughs> so do the math. Yeah. I don't, I'm not a math, mathematician or I just teach social studies, but two Okay, four. Dang, man, that's uh. And you already had two biological children at the time, correct? Correct. Yep. Okay, so you said, "Hey, we'll take two, four. I get that. I'm gonna have four. But then your wife's like, four. Let's make yes. it six. So- <laughs> you had what were you thinking right there as a dad? You're driving down the highway, and you're thinking, okay, oh, cool. Yep. Tell me that first thing. Yeah. What was it like was when like, you heard that? That's a lot. But I, I guess I had already been a little bit prepped because when we got our license, it was for up to four adopted. So we would have a total of six in the house. So it wasn't at that point, it was a possibility. I just never thought we'd actually get to that. It's kind of like asking the best looking girl at school to prom, right? It's a possibility, but yeah. probably not. I'm saying there's a chance. <laughs> You're telling me there's a chance. Oh, so you so, you go from there. Tell us. So you 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 accept the four, all right, and then tell us what happens next here. Yeah. So we told them we were interested. Um, they considered looked looked at our home study, all that. Uh, we were. They let us know we were finalists in February of 2017. Um, <clears throat> we had a staffing, uh, which means they actually invite you into the kids' home. Uh, not not their home. Their um, social workers office and they interview you with a few other people. There's like a board of people and they interview you to see if you'd be a good fit. <clears throat> and then, uh, so we were notified shortly after that, that we were selected to be their family. And so they moved in with us June 10th, 2017 and nothing's ever been the same since. <laughs> That's shocking that it's never been the same ever since you had to <laughs> That I didn't know you had to go in front of a board of people. That what was yeah, that like? Do. What do they That's, ask you? What are some questions they ask you? Let's see. Um, a lot of what they asked us was just you know expanding on things that were in our home study, like things that were possible triggers for us or things that might have been unexpected. Uh, some of them were circumstantial type questions like what would you do in this type of situation um they're just you know trying to make sure that it'd be a good fit it was a little intimidating but not terrible so you get them in your home and you're your foster parents at that time correct correct so the legal status they were 
their parental rights had not yet been terminated. So it was still like what they call an at risk um, a placement. So it was <clears throat> a foster placement. Um, we were just, we were their guardians uh, at that point. So um, all the things like, well, you have a different last name, but you're picking her up from school. Yes, foster parent. School school was actually really easy. They get it pretty quick. Um, you know, some other places are, they give you a little weird look sometimes. <laughs> like, wait, your last names don't match. What's going on here? So you just have to be, you know, kind of uh, a little bit humble and just say, you know what? Not a big deal. I'm not offended. <laughs> How old were your biological children when that happened? Six and almost four. And how old were the your the well your children now? But the the four that you took and the four foster children, how old were they? Two, three, five, and six. Oh. So when they all moved in, we had two, three, four, five, six, six. Was it kind of like this honeymoon period? Like you see, if you've ever seen the movie Instant Family, there's like that honeymoon yeah. period. Every, was it like that when yep. they first got there? Oh, absolutely. Heck yeah. Yeah. Honeymoon period is like, hey, this is something new. This is something fun. And then you kind of get into it a little bit. And then all of a sudden somebody is throwing a fit and screaming because they don't have the underwear that they like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like I'm like I don't know what to do I don't know what to do I don't know what to do <laughs> you got to get that underwear they like that's obviously what you got to do uh, yeah. how long did that last how long was that honeymoon period you know it probably lasted a good like few months we were really uh, I guess intentional about kind of keeping them close to us like reaffirming that yes we are your caretakers if you need something please come to us we want you to trust us as the parents, um, not kind of divide that responsibility between a bunch of people. So we want that good bonding experience with us. Uh, so by the time we got back to school, we felt like we had, you know, kind of gotten that bond. It was pretty good. Um, but then we got into school a little ways and then we started to see some behaviors and some challenges and stuff like that. So I don't think it was overnight, but you, there was definitely a break where it's like, oh, honeymoon's over <laughs> that you always could tell you got about a week or two at school and then all of a sudden they're like who who are you you were so good the first two weeks of school. yeah yeah exactly how exactly. did how did your biological children how did they handle that was it a tough transition for them did they welcome them in or is it just kind of been a seamless thing oh man you know what from day one i think they were all really good friends um They've always gotten along really well. And they just, the only issues we have are issues that are typical to siblings. You know, there's always some sibling rivalries and issues and I want to be in charge. No, I want to be in charge. But, uh, you know, they've always been really good friends. I think from the first time that we, they came to visit us, um, they've just gotten along really well. So that's been a huge blessing, I think. Um, and one of the reasons it's worked out so well so far. That was my thought when you, when I was like, maybe you got two, you bring four in. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's interesting that they had no issues or very little sibling issues. Cause that was kind of my next question for you. You know, what kind of challenges, but that I'm surprised that they just took it. So shouldn't say surprised. That's great to hear that. That's, you don't hear that usually there's something that happens or can happen, I guess is probably better. Yeah. And you know, as we kind of, when they first came in, um, most of the, most of them were seeing a counselor just 
you know, to kind of help with issues from the initial, you know, foster care and then coming into an adoption. Um, so they were seeing counselors for that. And then eventually one of our uh, <clears throat> biological kids ended up seeing a counselor individually just because of the impacts on him now being in kind of it was partly related to his personality, but there's just constant, everything is going on all the time in our house. There's not really a lot of quiet or anything like that. So um, we had uh, actually a family therapist who would come in to our house and work with us. Uh, that was a really great thing because then she would do stuff with the kids and then she'd take, you know, the three girls and do a little thing with them on their own. And then the three boys and do a little thing with them on their own. And so that was really great. Um, she really focused on just, uh, you know, just typical good behaviors, uh, good communication, and those kind of things. So we definitely saw some challenges, but I think we had the resources there to work through it. Now, was that was that part of the state, or was that something you had to do on your own? Um, the individual counselors for our foster kids, foster at the time, uh, that was paid for by the state. Uh, I think the state covered the. Um, uh, the family therapist too. And then our bio kids obviously were on our own. Right. What was the actual service you adopted from what agency, or I guess what was the name of it? Specific? I don't remember the name exactly, but it's basically social services. Uh, <clears throat> um, so it's actually a, the state organization. So there's a lot of uh, people when they do an adoption, will go through like a private agency. We actually just went directly through the state. Um, a lot of people cautioned us against that. And honestly, I don't know how we could have had a better experience. Our caseworker was amazing. Um, just very patient, but very knowledgeable, uh, very firm. And obviously she loved kids. She was just very good with kids. Um, sadly, she's retired now. So, <laughs> uh, but that just made the experience all the better. All I really know is private agency, so it's good to hear a public, a good public experience for yours. As you've as you've become a family from four to you know six, uh, or you are a family of four to a family of eight, really. Mm -hmm. uh, how how do you make time for all six of your children and your wife? How do you do that? I, I got to know, man. How do you do that? <laughs> uh, it's a challenge. I would say it's, it's a lot of the little things. So like if I'm walking out the door to go run to the grocery store real quick for something and one of the kids says, Hey, can I go with you? Uh, it's just a, yeah, you know what? I'll wait five minutes for you to get ready. You can come with me. That's one-on-one -on -one time. And it's not cheating. <laughs> it's just taking advantage of that situation for, you know, uh, Hey, we get to spend some one-on-one -on -one time. How's your day? How are you doing? Like just you and me, um, nobody else kind of, you know, poking their head in that conversation. Uh, <clears throat> every once in a while we will do like one-on-one, -on -one, um, uh, like arranged situations where like, Hey, let's go on a date or like, Hey, I want to take you to this thing or, uh, something like that. So those are a little few and far between, but when we can work them in, we do. And then, uh, my wife and I just try and make time for date night. Um, we've got a lot of very capable babysitters we've had over the years who aren't scared of having six kids. <laughs> we've had some good ones. We've had some not so good ones, but most of them have been really great. Um, it's really good to try and get like the older high school or early college age kids that are pretty capable and uh, aren't afraid of 
that type of situation. So, um, you know, we've, we've made it work. How, how that kind of takes me to my next question. How has a uh, fostering and adopting kind of affected your marriage? Have you noticed major differences, you know, obviously with four kids, but you know, on top of that, what are the challenges that you've had to overcome and maybe some dads that are going through that, give any advice to on that? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I would say, you know, uh, since we started the process, we, uh, we talked about it a lot. Um, just made sure that we were both on the same page as far as what our hopes and dreams were along with our expectations. Some of them realistic, some of them not. <laughs> so we kind of use each other as a sounding board. Like, does this make sense? Is this how I should be feeling about that? So, uh, and I think the, um, classes that we had to take helped facilitate some of those conversations too. Like, Hey, these are the issues. These are the things you got to think about. Like, what if you get an older kid and they have this issue? Like, how are we going to deal with that? Or is that just something we're going to say, no kids over this? Uh, do we really want to leave those kids out? You know, so there's a lot of deep conversations you end up having. And I think that's just really made our marriage um, that much stronger, our relationship that much deeper. Um, and especially when you get that many more kids in your house, it's like you and me, we got to be a team because <laughs> it's two on six. Um, not always, but there are definitely situations where it's the six of them against the two of us. And so we really got to team up and be, you know, kind uh, in our, our efforts because, you know, otherwise they'll, they'll try and take us down. <laughs> Overall, it's been a, it's been a really, uh, good growing and strengthening experience for our marriage. That, that always takes Mac, you know, when you started with two, so you guys were playing man, man on man. Yep. And now yep. you're playing super zone. You have, yeah. so, so you got, you're basically got to cover two with, with four receive six receivers coming at you. So I, I, yeah. I can imagine that's a football term. Sorry, listener as a football yep. coach. All right. So what would be something that people maybe misunderstand about foster care specifically, and maybe even adoption from the state? Do you have any words of advice on that or maybe misspell some rumors? Yeah, that's good. Um, I would say one thing that's been apparent to us as we've gone through this process is um, that in order for us to grow our family through that process, there had to be a lot of pain and heartache and basically a family torn apart. Um, so I think a lot of people see the adoption story and like, hey, you know, you you saved these kids, you took them from a bad situation and uh, made a good one. And I think, uh, so one, people don't really see the background, like, you know, somebody's parental rights were taken away in order for us to be able to adopt these kids. And that was a very sad uh, experience. Um, so the, the actual adoption, you know, the leading up to the adoption, all the legal stuff that had to go on was kind of bittersweet. It's like this person's heart had to be broken so that we could, you know, take these kids in. Um, and then also, I think there's a lot of, uh, adoption stories that don't have the happy ending. I think we've been fortunate in that one that our kids were as young as they were and two that they maybe didn't have as much trauma as some, but other people that we've stayed in connection with uh, as we went through foster and adoption uh, classes, they have had some really rough stories. Uh, people that they have <clears throat> finalized adoptions with, uh, kids that they've uh, adopted that don't want to see them, 
um, that continue to rebel, uh, but they continue to love him anyway. So um, there's a lot of hurt it just because of, you know, family situations getting broken up. I don't want that to scare anybody, but I think uh, it's, it's really easy to see the, the happy ending and then not understand all the background and what goes on behind the scenes. I mean, that's real talk as my students like to say real talk and, <laughs> you know, and you know, my wife and she's been doing a lot of research on you know, Korean adoptees who are upset because they were adopted. And it's, it's scary. And I get that, you know, it doesn't matter if you adopt domestically or any, interracially anything you're that's a fear that i'm sure that you even have a little bit as they grow older you know and you know hopefully that bond is str- strong enough but it's got to be in the back of your mind because i know it's in the back of my mind when my daughter gets old enough to maybe be mad that you know, we took her away from her home country um right in in the trauma part i'm glad you mentioned that because i think sometimes we underestimate even for like a two-year-old you're adopted she had trauma you know a lot of people think and tell me if I'm wrong, that people think trauma is only something that you witness firsthand mm-hmm. and you remember. I mean, a two-year-old, a baby can have trauma. So how did you overcome those traumas with your with with your biological and adopted children going through this process? If you want to share just a little bit on that. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I it's, it's interesting. I think we're still going through some of that. Um, there's still some healing to be done. Uh, but I think one thing that has been, I don't know, fortunate, I guess, is that, um, you know, their biological mom has actually done really well for herself. And so we were able to kind of keep some loose contact where occasionally she would be able to like send a letter or something like that, or uh, send a note through social media and we could respond in kind. Um, So I think that's been good just for them to see that we aren't against their biological parents. It wasn't a, we are taking you and now you are ours, uh, is more of a, you know, there was a bad situation and they couldn't, they couldn't do it anymore. And so we're just thankful that we were here uh, to take you in. And I think that helps gain their trust that no matter what, like, um, you're going to be there for them. Like, you're not against their biological parents. So I think that helped address some of the trauma, I guess, of being separated. Uh, There's a couple other things that we worked through. Um, Trying to think if there's anything. Did you, did did the older children that when you were fostering, were they like, my mom's coming to get me or my dad's coming to get me? Did you ever go through that situation? And maybe even today, do they still kind of talk about that? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, so when we, actually when uh, the kids came to us, they had already been in foster care for, I want to say, 17 months, something like that. So they had been they had been gone away from bio parents for a while. Um, so I think that kind of helped cushion that a little bit. Um, and I think they were young enough, too, where they didn't actually think that was going to happen anyway. No, we don't really deal with that very much. We have had the, uh, well, you're not my real dad. You're not my real mom. You what, know, do you, what, do you say, what do you say to that? Cause that's, I'm, I am 
trying to repair myself. And that's probably at least many years down the road. What do you say? Help me out, Andy. You are the master. You've got four adopted kids. What do you say when they say that? What do you, so one, you just have to expect that it's coming. If you expect that it's coming, you will be able to, I think you'll be at a better place where you're able to respond instead of react. So, and I think the response is, but I love you anyway, or something to that effect. Just something like completely gracious, uh, just saying, you know, hey, I love you anyway. Understand what you're trying to tell me. <laughs> I, I just, I, that's just something I'm waiting for my oldest. I'll say, I hate you so much. I know that's coming too. I teach high yep. school and I'm going to pay the price for what I did when I was a kid. But I, <laughs> that moment, I'm, I'm just trying to witness like my, you know, 10 year old Korean daughter. I, well, you're not my real dad. I'm like, Oh, don't say that. <laughs> my little princess. <laughs> and it, it, when you said that, it made me think about that. Uh, that <laughs> that's really key to understand that, those things are going to happen. And, and I think I like the way you phrase, Hey, the happy ending. It's not a Disney ending. I think we grow right. up. Oh, it's going to have this, Dis this instant family ending. Everybody's in the car driving away. It's a real happy time. And in reality, this, the struggle continues. Is that fair to say you're yeah. still dealing with those issues? And yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I mean, that's just what I feel. What I kind of, what I take from, the adoption preparations. It doesn't, it's not over. You don't get them and it doesn't end. All right. I got to ask you this question about your kids. Do your bio kids ever try to insult your, your adopted kids by saying they're adopted? No, they never have. I, I think, uh, <clears throat> and I would say instead they're more likely to defend them against anybody else who would say something similar. So I don't know what we did right there, but that's never been interesting. <laughs> that's phenomenal. That's really good because I, I don't think that'll happen in my house, but I've heard, you know, you, you hear about that happening sometimes. All right, Andy, yeah. fifth down questions or overtime questions. Okay. What is your favorite thing to do with your children? Uh, I like to play um, tag or wrestle or anything active like that where they just get kind of rough and silly. It's always fun. What's your biggest struggle as a dad? What's one thing you struggle with the most? Uh, you know, you complimented my patience earlier, but man, patience is rough. <laughs> At least you Especially, look good in public. You look good in public yeah. doing it. Let me say that much. Well, no, I appreciate that. But, you know, you've uh, worked a full day, um, maybe didn't get enough sleep the night before or something like that. Just kind of off your game and kids come home from school with an attitude man, it's, you lose your patience real quick. So something uh, still continuing to work on. During your journey, what's the one thing that's probably surprised you either good or bad? Just kind of like, wow, I never thought about that. I had never really thought about being a dad of girls. You know, my two, my bio kids were boys. <clears throat> so I never had girls until I had three girls at the same time. So just those aspects of being a dad of girls. And then, uh, you know, you always see those uh, things about like dad, you know, cleaning his shotgun when the boy comes over the first time or something like that, just to kind of intimidate the guys. I was like, okay, I got to get that now. Like it's starting to make sense. <laughs> right. I mean, as, as I like to say, you know, I have three boys. I only have to worry about three boys whereas you have to worry about all the boys you know for the most part that's always there's another word that i use but we're going to keep it pg all right the one question i ask every dad on here you have a billboard you want that you're going to put about adoption for dads what do you put on that billboard 
like pro adoption or like advice about adoption? Or... It's up to you. You got a billboard. Okay. What are you going to do? What are you going to put on? There? I would say, you know, everybody can play a part. Cause like, yeah, I'm the one who did the adoption, but couldn't have done it without all the other people who helped us out um, with all the, everything from logistics, like picking up kids, bringing kids here and there. Um, like when we first got the kids in our house doing meals, uh, it really did take a whole bunch of people to help us uh, be successful in that. I love, I think that's phenomenal. The way you said that it just takes everybody. Don't be afraid to ask for help. I know as a man, some, I was telling you, I'm redoing my bathroom. I don't want to call anybody to re do any of my bathroom i'm a man but i yeah. think even though i have to it's uh you know i think we have that idea of masculinity where we're not going to ask for help like our grandfathers would do i'm not needing any charity or help but the way you the way you put that is so wonderful in the aspect of don't let it be there especially when you take four kids in all right i mean you're going to need some help yeah yeah and i mean there were a lot of people who were willing and i a couple times i just had to swallow my pride and say you know what thank you I appreciate that. <laughs> wasn't it wasn't easy? <laughs> well, Andy, I, I cannot thank you enough. You are an incredible person. You and your wife do phenomenal things, and we're gonna miss you in the pack and in the in the school. And I want to wish you the best of luck in your move. And I appreciate you coming on and just sharing your incredible story with us. Thank you, Andy. Yeah, thanks, Dave. What a great testimony of the power of just taking that leap of faith and adopting. They said, oh, let's, let's foster. And they said, well, we'll take two and we'll take four. <laughs> I love the fact that how open he is to do that and just his patience. I don't think I could have that patience. I really appreciate Andy coming on and sharing his story and the testimonial. And they will be missed in our Cub Scout pack for sure. Just what he brings to that. Again, thank you guys for coming on and listening. Continue to spread the word. Give a re- positive review a five-star rating follow me on all the social medias it's all in the show notes and again i hope you guys have a safe healthy week take care everybody have a great week thanks for listening to the adoptive dad playbook be sure to follow us on social media 